0: It ain't the left side or the
1: right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo right D. Side. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Cat NFL On Twitter, Paul is fanatic underscore pick. With everybody inside here in March and April with the world changing, we're continuing to run through our positional previews for the 2020 NFL Draft through the lens of what the Miami Dolphins might do and a little bit about what we would do if we were in the GM chair. We will get through all these positions here in April, so be sure to keep checking back. We're going to be pumping out shows here over the next few weeks. I expect a few truths to be brought up here in the Dolphins' war room about the wide receiver position because, Paul, there are a couple of things that are in contrast here because, one, we knew at the end of the 2019 season wide receiver was one of the best one of the deepest positions on the roster. But also this isn't an unusually deep wide receiver class. I mean, Kuyper and McShay both said that 20 to 25 wide receivers could go in the first three rounds when typically you have only about 15 to seven, 17 on that. Um, I did my consensus big board and of the top 52 players, 11 of them were wide receivers. And we also know, too, that Chan Gailey is going to use a lot of three, four, five wide receiver sets. So we could see the Dolphins carrying six or seven wide receivers here on the 53-man roster. So your impressions of this uh, draft class at wide receiver?
0: The draft class is absolutely, completely stacked at wide receiver. You're going to get you know, a a second or third round talent in the fourth or fifth round. And that's something to be mindful of. Miami is competitive is stacked at the wide receiver position right now. But Devontae Parker, good, healthy, finally getting it, finally producing, good to go. Prefton Williams, not even a one-year wonder yet. As much as I like the guy and I love his physical ability, coming off a decent injury. Let's see how he responds. Jakeem Grant, coming off multiple injury seasons, Despite the fact I love the guy, you know he's one of my favorite players on the team. Awesome person. Great receiver. Outplays his stature by a long shot. Plays with a chip on his shoulder. Always a threat to take it to the house. But again, injury concerns. Albert Wilson. Switchblade player. Injury concerns. Isaiah Ford. Unproven. Showed promise last year. And then Alan Hearns. I don't think any of us are fooling ourselves that he's going to be a quality number two starter even. He's a role player off the bench that's going to come in and play some possession games for you, maybe do okay once in a while. But again, has an injury history as well. So it's a very deep position that could get very thin in an instant and has over the past few years. So if you have that ability to overdraft a player in a, in a later round than their value truly is at, you have to consider that fact as, as you go there.
1: Yeah, that's well put, and that's what the Dolphins have to look at here, at wide receiver. I mean, we did, we've both done a few Dolphins mock drafts with all fourteen picks, and typically we don't have a wide receiver going in any of those spots. But that doesn't mean that they won't take one because of what you just mentioned there, because. The Dolphins could be sitting in a spot where they're there at 70 and be like, man, we did not expect LaVisca Chennault or, or Brandon Ayuk or Jalen Rager to be here. But because of how deep the class is, we may see that. And you even get down to, I mean, the fourth route. You saw some players like K.J. Hill from Ohio State and Van Jefferson from Florida start to stick out during senior bowl week with their route running skills. They could very easily be that third or fourth receiver for the Dolphins as we're sitting here in 2021. And
0: I, I hate to say it this way, as good as the wide receiver position is, and as much as the Dolphins don't have a need there and have needs in other areas, like you and I have talked about this, I don't want Miami to come out of the first round without a left tackle if at all possible. You know, it, it's. But if you're sitting there at 18, or if you trade back from five with, say, the Raiders and manage to swap your number five pick for their two firsts, and CD is still sitting on the board. If you've got the opportunity to grab the next potential Larry Fitzgerald and you don't take it, the fans will be kicking you in the shins over and over again years from now that you let him slide by unless you get a lights-out player. And even then, you're going to have folks that are going to be just kicking themselves and kicking you for the fact that you let a Larry Fitzgerald slide because you're, you're pretty good at wide receiver right now. So it's if if you feel C.D. is the next Larry Fitzgerald and he's sitting there at 18, it would be very hard to pass him up unless there's something else on the board that that meets that need.
1: Yeah, and I'm one of the biggest proponents of not drafting wide receivers in the first round, but uh, C.D. Lamb's somebody I'm willing to break the rules for. I think uh, overall, my Dolphins big board, he's 15th, and wide receiver for me, in my mind, is not a need for the Dolphins at all. but. Yeah. You said Larry Fitzgerald. I, I, I've always said Deandre Hopkins and you know, he has an incredible ability to separate and he's great after the catch too. So he's, he's actually a lot better than Hopkins after the catch Uh, magnetic hands really does it all. And to pass up, if the dolphins are in a situation where, okay, we've got four or five offensive tackles off the board and we don't, we don't want to take Austin Jackson here at 18. I hope they don't. Gosh, we'll get into that in another show. But if you say, yeah, but we don't need a wide receiver, so we're going to pass on C.D. Lamb, I I don't think that would be a good thing. Uh, Also, too, Paul, when you look at past C.D. Lamb, it seems like you've got three clear-cut first-round picks, and then you've got a cluster of wide receivers from four to about 11. The top three guys are, in no particular order, C.D. Lamb. Then you've got both Alabama receivers. uh, Jerry Judy, very precise route runner. Um, and you've got Henry Ruggs, who ran a four two seven. Actually, disappointed a lot of people by running a four two seven there. So we know that we would break the rules here, as far as t- you know, team need by by drafting CeeDee Lamb a little bit earlier. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs are those two players that you would consider there in in, in the first round uh, if, if they if they fell to say pick twenty six.
0: God, I haven't even thought about Judy falling to twenty six. Uh, that that's how unlikely that scenario is. It's Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it it, bluntly. And this is also the impression I have of Chris Greer and, and the Dolphins front office. If you have the ability to draft a player, regardless of your team needs, as far as BPA goes, if they are clearly head and shoulders above anything else that is there at that draft pick, you have two options. Take that BPA regardless of position. If they're clear-cut, the better player than anybody else out there. Or use that to facilitate a trade down, to accumulate picks, slide back a few, and then your BPA at that point in time is more in an area of need and you've accumulated ammunition to, to restore a few other positions as well. But, again, I, I, if Judy's there at 26, I'd be hard-pressed not to take him if you can't find a trade partner because there should be nothing else better than him on the board at that point.
1: Yeah, Judy is expected to go, and let's let's be clear, he's expected to go in the top 10 or 15 picks, but wide receivers can fall on draft day. And I don't expect him to be there at 26, but just from a value perspective, that, that's where my question's coming from. Yeah, Henry Ruggs yeah. is – also, a is somebody that's going to go likely somewhere in the first round, and you know he blew a lot of people away by running in the four twos. But when I watched him play, I, I thought he was a four two type of player. He's got great speed. He's got a pretty good overall game, but at five eleven one eighty eight, I, I already knew he was a fast player. So him running four two seven didn't exactly elevate him a lot on my board because I, I already knew what we were getting there. So, uh, it, yeah, Rugs I don't think quite brings that spe- special skill set that that lamb and, and Judy can both bring.
0: And I'm, I'm going to jump in there too. It's, it's rugs isn't even the number three on my board. It's T Higgins is still above him for me. I, I put rugs in the same bucket as Jalen Rieger guys that I think should go in the first round, but I don't know if they do.
1: Yeah. T Higgins is somebody I, I know you like a lot more than me. And I, I, I really like parts of T Higgins game. I mean, Six four two fifteen with a huge catch radius and very good speed for his size. I see parts of his game that are AJ Green like. My question That's becomes, and you said, it, yeah, well, hey, it, it, I'm not getting, I haven't got to the bad part yet. <laughs> the, bad, the bad part of it, uh, I don't think he's very physical at the point of, at, at at the catch point for somebody that size. Um, and I I have a I have questions about. You talk about best player available. Yeah, I agree. Preston Williams just flashed for half a year, but he he was also very impressive throughout the summer. One of the talks of of preseason there, too. If you have Higgins, Preston Williams, and Devontae Parker on the same team, both outside boundary receivers at 6'4", 6'5", 220 pounds, I just don't see how you're getting all three of them on the field.
0: You could have an awfully pretty red zone offense in that spread that – Shane Gailey likes to run and you add in uh, Jesus Christ, I'm blanking right now,
1: but I mean, you add in
0: the tight end. Posi- yeah. You add in Gesicki. Wow. I can't believe I just blanked on that. You add in Gesicki to that mix and you've got a, a valid running game. Your, your quarterback almost just has to do a quick scan of the field and figure out where he's throwing a lollipop to on the fade route. Because you've got so many tree trunks out there that somebody's going to be mismatched against a, a smaller coverage guy or a linebacker that's trying to cover this, this monstrous guy that you can throw the ball up and they're going to beat 100 times out of 100 unless they draw pass interference as well. I mean, your red zone offense is going to be
1: spectacular.
0: So it's it per- a good I'm, problem to I'm have sure it and it's, it's one I could go
1: with. I, I'm sure it will. I, I just don't see a way that, w- that you're getting all four of those guys on the field, unless it's in the red zone. Cause you've, you've really got to diver- diversify your offense to have some slot players and to get to get, you got to get running backs on the field. Hey, look, Higgins is a talented player. I he, He's one that I point to as one that I, I wouldn't want the dolphins to draft. Uh, I know it'll be interesting where it goes because he's one of your favorite players for the Dolphins. He's one of my least favorite players. So we'll take a look uh, here and revisit this uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, looking at the rest of the class, Laviska Chenault is somebody that's been talked about from Colorado and 6'1", 227, um, beefed up a lot, didn't run as well at the combine. And he's had a lot of injury problems at Colorado now, on one hand, I, I view this guy as a as a more beefed up version of Albert Wilson. has got a lot more of that build up speed as far as as opposed to explosiveness. But I I also don't know if he's going to be able to to step in, play at that same level of physicality and not get hurt, which he did several times there at Colorado. Um, so it, we'll see with him. But the the two wide receivers I really like, and I would give strong consideration for at 56. Uh, or 70 is J- uh, Jalen Rager from TCU explosive player can play inside, can play outside. And he went from almost 1100 yards in 2018 to about 650 there in, in 2019, largely because the quarterback play was so bad. Brandon Iuke is more of a one-year player, but I compare him a lot to Isaac Bruce. He's smooth in and out of his cuts with natural hands and, Somebody that I that I think in, in a pinch can line up in the slot too, but would offer a different skill set than Devonte Parker or Preston Williams. So, Paul, a lot of a lot of players stacked up there in that four through eleven range, uh, with, with T. Higgins being one of those guys.
0: And another one that we want to consider here too, that I don't believe you've mentioned yet, is, is Justin Jefferson at LSU. He was amazing uh, in all areas of his game for Joe Burrow this year he was one of the best receivers on the field in any game he was in. And that goes up against a number of the guys we've already mentioned. And and anytime you've got a 1500 yard receiver, 111 catches 18 touchdowns who has the athletic ability to go up and get the ball over a defensive back and can run those routes that are going to create separation and can take the top off the defense, even if it's not quite in that Henry Ruggs category or that Jalen Rieger category, You've got to consider the guy if he slides further than he should. It if so. Yeah, Jefferson's another one we've got to look at here.
1: Yeah, Jefferson is uh, somebody who played almost exclu- I mean, exclusively in the slot with with LSU, and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing as far as how he transitions. He's a different type of slot receiver. Where he's six one, two hundred two pounds. He's not that Wes Welker type of slot player. But he can offer a lot more vertically, and he's, he's surprised a lot of people by running a four four three forty, as opposed to maybe a four five five or a four six. And he's somebody too that's a very very good. He's a he's a smart receiver in the slot, and his ability to just get open for Joe Burrow uh, contributed a lot to his success there at LSU. Um, another another player too is. Somebody who's not the greatest fit and not somebody I'd consider in the first round, or, or probably uh, unless he fell down to, to pick seventy in the third round, is Michael Pittman from USC. He's six four, two twenty, more of a boundary receiver, but did get some looks there in the slot too. Intelligent player, and I, when I look at him, I compare him a lot to Michael Thomas from from uh, the Saints, who actually went. Late in the second round in that draft, uh, right around that same point, because he's so smooth and he's actually the son of uh, a former Bucks and, and Cardinals running back, Michael Pittman Sr., obviously, who was the the Bucks running back in in the Super Bowl about fifteen, sixteen years ago. So th- there's a lot of a lot of potential here in, in those top players. Uh, KJ Hamler from Penn State, five nine, buck seventy eight. He's a player I'm not as high on. Um, you know, I, I I know the speed and I know it's a speed game. Dropped 12 passes at Penn State according to PFF this past year, and a lot of people throw the word Deshaun Jackson around like it's nothing. I, I think Deshaun Jackson glides a lot more. It looks like he's he's running on water as opposed to KJ Hamler. So if you put Hamler in at the in the slot, I, I think he's going to bust some big plays. But he reminds me more of a of a player from about 10 years ago. Lions wide receiver Titus Young, who, you know, he was great in college, has a lot of speed, didn't quite transition as well to the NFL because the Lions had a hard, hard time putting him in a certain place and, and getting a consistent production out of him.
0: Yeah, Hamler, God, it's, it's. I, I like the way that you describe that. I mean, it's, he's, he's not gliding out there. It's, And I'll take it a step further. He looks like he's running on PCP instead of gliding down the field. (laughs) He's one of those prototypical tiny speed guys. They're going to break a lot of plays for you, but they're going to blow a lot of plays for you too. Uh, His hands need to improve, and that's a tough thing to improve if they haven't by now. Uh, Gabriel Davis out of Central Florida, however, he's got a little bit of size to him. He's not quite your – Preston Williams, Devontae parker size guy, but he's got enough to make use of it. And he makes athletic plays all over the field. You look at how he progressed from his sophomore to junior year. Uh, He had 815 yards on 53 catches for seven touchdowns as a sophomore, improved that to 72 catches for 1,241 yards and 12 touchdowns, and looked like a much better player out on the field. So he's another guy that if he slides to the late third, early fourth, and you happen to pick up a few picks is is worth a look. Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned it yet because we've thrown out so many names already. But have you talked about the no. play pool out of Notre Dame? Yeah,
1: In fact, we haven't because he's a wide receiver slash tight end. But, uh, you know, I, I think he can really project at, at either spot because at, he showed up to the combine unexpectedly at 238 pounds, and everyone's like, okay, well. He's gonna he's gonna work out as a tight end. And then he runs a four four eight and people are thinking, wait, maybe he might be a wide receiver.
0: <laughs> uh that's a good problem to have, and that's yeah. honestly for me, it <sighs> Flores like for versatile players is not exclusive to the defense. On a conference call this week with um Kyle Van Noy, yeah, you know, he, he was talking to those of us on there about the fact that he's not a linebacker. He's not a defensive end. He's a football player. At the end of the day, Chase Claypool is a football player on offense. He's the type of player that Brian Flores likes because you get multiple uses out of the guy. And just because he's on the field, the defense can't make their adjustments right off the rip until they get set. And by that point, it might be too late for substitution. So you can create some intriguing mismatches by having the Chase Claypool types out on the field. The guy that can come in and play tight, can kick out and play on the boundary. So, yeah, Chase Claypool is a guy I would consider if we're talking about the fourth round or later.
1: Right, and again, Chase Claypool has no business being in the fourth round, but somebody who has no business being in the fourth round is going to be there because I don't care what Kuyper and McShay say – you're not going to have 25 receivers going in the top 100 picks. So somebody's going to slide down. And we still have more receivers, too, that, that fit that, that mold that, that could fall down to pick 141 uh, in the fourth round. Lynn Bowden from Kentucky uh, played quarterback there, kind of like with Randall Cobb back in, uh, gosh, 2011. Uh, he's going to make the adjustment to wide receiver, somebody who's flying under the radar because he doesn't have a lot of experience there. But uh, in terms of his skill set, a very well-rounded player, Donovan Peoples Jones from Michigan. This was the top recruit coming out of high school, you know, what, three, four years ago, and it was kind of a disappointment in Michigan, but didn't have very good quarterback play either. But he goes to the combine and challenges Byron Jones's uh, vertical record. I, I think Byron Jones had 44.5 and, and Peoples Jones had 40. So the physical talent is certainly there. And in the, at the end of the fourth round, maybe somebody that you want to take a look at. Two players that were very productive at college, both on the same team from Texas, uh, Devin Duvernay uh, had 106 catches there from the slot. Is really primarily a slot receiver, which is what the Dolphins need. Um, doesn't quite offer that that long speed that you can you can find out of a KJ Hamler, but still somebody that that knows how to get open uh, there right around the hash marks. Colin Johnson is somebody I don't expect to be on the Dolphins board. He is strictly that king size boundary receiver at 6'6, 220. But he he had some injury problems this past year, but the year before was a really a projected first or second round pick and proof why you don't go back to college when you have a first round grade. So, Paul, we've mentioned about 25 receivers here. Quentin Cephas from Wisconsin, as well, unexpectedly came out early, ran a 4'7. So he was taken out of a lot of boards, but they he, Wisconsin squeaked in their pro day. Before uh, the coronavirus uh, situation happened, improved that time to the mid four or fives. But I, I love him after the catch. Um, so we've talked about, gosh, twenty twenty five receivers here. Anybody else that sticks out for you?
0: One of the guys that that I think we haven't really touched deeply on anyway. That that that's worth a look. And I'm hopeful if we get down to the sixth round and he's still on the on the board or even in the seventh, when Miami has a number of picks KJ Hill out of Ohio state. He's not the biggest, he's not the fastest. He's a beautiful route runner a route runner. He's got great hands. Um, he can make people miss after the catch and fights for every yard he can get without being a fumbling liability. And, you know, you look back at guys like, I'm going to mention OJ McDuffie here. Uh, When he came out, he wasn't anybody that was going to blow you away in any one area, but being as solid as he was in multiple areas made him that reliable player that that was effective for the team for years to come. You know, you look at like an Aranda Gadsden, who's not going to blow you away in any area, but his route running and ability to catch the ball again. So there is a role for K.J. Hill if he is available when Miami's there in the 6th or 7th and they filled needs and they're just looking for BPA and want to get a guy that can come in and be a reliable threat to maybe not take it to the house every play, but when you get there on third down, you know you can count on that guy to sneak under and get it done. He, To me, he's somebody that has the potential to be better than Alan Hearns and be better very quickly.
1: Yeah, I could see him slipping into Alan Hearns' role. And uh, he was a clear-cut day three pick up until the combine. And then, or excuse me, up until senior bowl week, where I think a lot of people thought he was just another guy heading down there. And then he goes down there, and he was the talk of senior bowl week. Very similar to Terry McLaurin, his teammate the, the year before that, where McLaurin was thought of as a day three guy, went down, was the best wide receiver there, at least in drills. and then. He ends up being, a lot of people thought he could go first round, ended up going in the third round. Hill will probably be drafted a little bit lower than that. And that's perfect value, as you described it, Paul, because he's 24 years old. He's six foot, 195 pounds, runs a 4'6", but just gets open and is a very good route runner. And a player like that who doesn't jump off the page and is 24 years old is somebody who could probably fall down to that fifth fifth or sixth round area where he would be great value. I know KJ Hill has always been kind of your guy that you've, you've had as that realistic type of pick for the dolphins. My guy that I'm looking at in the fourth or fifth round where the dolphins could pull the trigger at wide receiver uh, is, is, and from the, he's a running back slash wide receiver from the university of Memphis. And that's Antonio Gibson. He's six foot, 228 pounds and when i watched him a wide receiver with that stocky build and getting open and breaking tackles after the catch i'm not saying he's a he's jarvis landry but i saw a little bit of that in him and his ability to just catch the ball break a couple of tackles and, and get another 15 yards after the catch he's also one of the best kick returners and punt returners here in the draft too. So if Jakeem Grant doesn't pick it up this year or he's gone before we even get to the 2020 season, which is an outside possibility, we may be talking about Antonio Gibson as as somebody who who could slide right into that role too. So Paul, man, Uh, uh, I got more. I got more.
0: I got more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two guys I just want to touch on really quick. Uh, Somebody that could be later undrafted but has good size and decent speed was Aaron Parker out of out of Rhode Island? He's six two, two ten, and you know he runs in that four five range. And, and again, he's a late rounder, possibly undrafted, but he's he's a really good player at shielding with his body. He hasn't gotten a lot of looks, being from such a small school in such a small state. But he's a guy that could get out there and, and potentially outshine his his draft position as well. And then one guy that I did talk about briefly already on uh, our tight end segment, Des Patman out of Washington State. He's a guy that may not excel as a wide receiver, but again, if an NFL team has the foresight and Patman is willing, where they can teach him to block a little bit in line, suddenly you've got a guy that you can flip back and forth between tight end and wide receiver, like we talked about with with a few players already, and can become that ridiculously effective player out on the field with a size mismatch when, when you kick him wide but the ability to come inside and be in an athletic mismatch against most linebackers out there or, or safeties. So, again, there are a few players here that are right on the cusp of being convertible to other positions that may be a cast-off at wideout, but if you're using them as a switchblade, suddenly get better, not just at one position, but two.
1: Yeah, and I'd say to round that out, the the late-round possibilities, too, a couple of guys I'm looking at. In fact, you mentioned the wide receiver from Rhode Island. I've got another one from Rhode Island, which shows how many there are. And this is somebody that uh, NFL.com's Gil Brandt thinks could be a very, very deep sleeper. That's Isaiah Coulter there. He's just a very good blend of size and speed. I mean, I, from Rhode Island, obviously, he's not as adept at running that entire route tree or having – the highest level of competition, but 6'2", 220 pounds, look great at the combine, running under 4'5", so somebody that that should end up getting drafted. Uh, Joe Reed from Virginia is a kick returner, punt returner as well. Very productive, more of an underneath type of guy um, that that should get drafted somewhere in that 6th, 7th round area. And finally, uh, James P- uh, Proche from SMU is somebody that w- – Got a little bit more on the radar there during senior bowl week. Um, very skilled route runner should, should be in, in that same range there. So Paul, a lot of options here. And, you know, we, we've taken a look at when the dolphins drafted Jakeem grant in a very deep 2016 draft, they drafted him late in the sixth round. He comes in, he contributes. They signed him to a contract extension this past year. So, for a team that's very deep at wide receiver and also a draft that's very deep, the dolphins could be finding some very good value here on day three.
0: They could. And uh, Chris Greer, as we mentioned at the top of the show, and I'll mention it again here, he's a guy that no matter how good a position group is, and I'm telling you right now for our listeners out there that are going to be hemming and hawing that Miami doesn't need a wide receiver. No matter how good a position or position group is, if he sees a player that he feels is BPA and will will be better than what's on the field, even if what's on the field is good, he's going to make the move to improve the position, regardless of how good it is today, regardless of what other needs are out there. If he's got the ability to improve a position, he's going to. I can't stress that enough for our listeners out there.
1: Yeah, uh, and my big thing is in the 3rd day of the draft, you should not be looking at need of any kind. If you're still looking if you're looking for a year one starter in the 4th or 5th round, I think you're doing it wrong. But in the first 3 rounds of the draft with uh, with what the Dolphins have, yeah, I I think I think you should always lean toward best player available. My caveat to that too is there has to be a pathway for the player to get on the field and to be successful without cutting a also young, talented player off from being successful as well. So we'll see what the Dolphins do here at wide receiver. A lot of mock drafts have have them drafting one on day three. I'm sure some of the ones we have coming up will have one as well. And that will do it for our – breakdown of gosh 35 to 40 receivers we've probably talked about in this show in a half hour segment you can follow paul and i on facebook twitter spreaker itunes youtube iHeartRadio, radio and spotify i'm brian cat nfl paul is fanatic underscore pick on twitter and if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side it's on the fin side solo d take us home it ain't
0: the left side for the right side and it must be the fin side it ain't the left, left line, side Listen, the fans across the American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more. right here in the US. Visit American-giant.com and get 20% off your first order with Code
1: Staple 20. That's 20% off your first order at American-giant.com, code Staple20.